This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohn from the City University of New York, Queens College. I'm Leslie Hankson from Georgetown University. I'm Jean Beeman from Purdue University. Our guest is Margaret Hagerman from Mississippi State. Today, Jussie Smollett. Our discussion was recorded on March 27th, 2019. Okay, everyone. So um, I just I just realized I just heard this morning that um, that Jesse Smollett is just going to walk um, mm-hmm. this after um, a grand jury basically in, in, like indicted him and said, yeah, we think this should go to trial. Mm-hmm. And um, and it seems as though um, he's allowed to walk. He forfeits his 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 bail bond money it's ten thousand dollars it just goes uh back to the city of chicago mm-hmm. and um and that's about it well i lost his role on empire right yeah like, well that's a pretty big price to pay I'd did say, that but... that actually happened oh i didn't realize that oh i don't know i i assumed it did but maybe it didn't well i've just been focusing on kind of the on the legal side of this um in large part because it goes to this conversation that you know that we that just got reignited again after we heard uh Paul Manafort's like first round of sentencing where mm-hmm. he was getting four years and people were saying, well, if we compared Paul Manafort to others who committed similar crimes, but don't look like he does and aren't as wealthy as he is, mm-hmm. you know, we see that there are these sentencing disparities. Um, and, yeah. you know, and, and I think Rahm Emanuel, who's the mayor of Chicago, um, you know, whatever, in his press conference was saying, this is, you know, yet again, an example of how, like, the wealthy and the famous, you know, are able to, you know, navigate a criminal justice system in ways that favor them, but totally. that, um, but that don't favor, but that don't favor those who aren't as wealthy and aren't as famous. You know what I thought of when I heard uh, of the Manafort sentence? Do you remember that woman who got like nine years for voting twice in Texas? Yeah. You know, like, I yeah. was like, what? Yeah. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, you get four years for trying to bring down a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, this this is such a it, it's such a dispiriting story, and I originally didn't even want to put it on on the slate just because you know what it's like the Jesse Smollett thing. It's like to me, it's like the uh, race equivalent of there's a certain type of argument that comes out of uh, parts of the Jewish community where. You know, it's like I don't I, I'm my attitude is don't pull the anti-Semitism bell until it's really happening, because every time you pull the bell and it doesn't pan out, you waste it mm-hmm. for people in the future. And it was really unfortunate that he did that. Like he he pulled the bell and he did it for personal reasons. Um, and I don't think it's indicative of anything. I think it's like an individual jerk who sort of did damage to an institution that people really need. And I got to tell you, my fate, all of my Trump loving Facebook has been going on about that for like two solid months. It was like the reason that they were looking for to not care about hate crimes or whatever. Oh God. So I still just have so many questions about this case, even when the charges are dropped. I mean, cause I don't understand even if this was 
something that he concocted, like how that was even supposed to work. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's just an odd strategy to get more money in the first place. It was a stupid, str- he paid by check. So that's how well he thought it through. He like paid his co-conspirators by check. Although, like, also, too, it, like, he, like, as far as Smollett is concerned, he's like, would I be so stupid to do something like that? Although, yeah. actually, <laughs> this does remind me of a Scooby-Doo episode. Um, <laughs> where, yeah, I mean, he was like, would I be oh, so yeah, stupid yeah, to do yeah. that? Right? And, you know, they're just, okay. right. So. Yeah, I guess I still, I don't know, I just have a, I have a lot of questions. Oh, so do like, I. I get but like you know they're stupid and they're stupid like you know i don't know like you're smart enough to hire people to do this but then you're stupid enough to pay with the check i don't i don't, I don't know how that works i don't know the president did the same thing so i guess he, he, you know how it's like dunning kruger when you're smart you assume everybody else is smart but when you're dumb you figure you're really smart yeah so it might be one of those things right okay touche yeah, I think most of us are confused. Like, I don't know what to think. Like, I want to think yeah. that, you know, that prosecutors in Chicago and law enforcement in Chicago did the right thing. And, you know, for one of the first times in a long time in a public case in Chicago, we have seen that law enforcement actually did their job and mm-hmm. did it with integrity, mm-hmm. right? Um, but is that, I mean, is that as far-fetched to believe as believing that Jesse Smollett was actually attacked and that all of these other things are just all these coincidences? Has he been getting a lot of blowback in the black community? Like, I mean, as a, if, if a Jew did that with uh, 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 like an anti-Semitic crime, I'd be very, very angry at that person. Well, from what, I, from, from what I've seen mm. and, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a black, there's the black community, but like, it's not, it's not homogeneous. So, uh, so from what I've seen, I mean, there are people who support Smollett, right. And saying like, come on now, right. You know, we have, we have to support him. If he says that it happened, then it happened. Right. And why are we all of a sudden uh, believing Chicago PD? Right. But then on the other hand, there are people who are really, really, really upset. I mean, there um, there I mean, some of us who are old enough or kind of old enough to remember the whole Tawana Brawley case in New York City. Mm-hmm. Right. And what was that? I have no memory of that or knowledge of it. Yeah. So Tawana Brawley was a teenage girl. This was sometime in, in the 1980s. And, you know, she was late coming home and her parents got worried and you know, eventually she's found, she's like in a garbage bag, like there's um, dog feces uh, spread all over her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's got the N word. Like, I can't remember if it was written in dog feces or if it was carved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, into her, I think it was her forehead or her stomach, one or the other. I don't know, I was I was a kid when this happened. Mm-hmm. And, and it was huge and Al Sharpton was behind her. Um, you know, the entire, like the black community in New York was totally behind her. And, you know, and, and it, and she said that police officers were the ones who did that to her. There were white police officers who she, who she said did this. And, um, and what ended up happening was one of the police officers ended up killing himself uh, because of it. And then over time, Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and then oh, and then over time, people started going. Wait a minute, some of these things aren't aren't adding up. 
And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I still don't know. And maybe it's because I was relatively young um, when this case was out. But I still don't know if Tawana Brawley, like, one story is she um, she made this all up because she was with her boyfriend and she was late getting home. And this seemed like, you know, a much better thing to do than to actually go home and face the consequences mm-hmm. of, of her behavior. So that's one narrative. And the other is, no, this actually happened. Right. And, you know, we, you know, and for whatever reason, like they weren't able to assemble like all of the proof and et cetera, et cetera. And I still don't know. Like, I still don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm looking it up. She was 15. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, if you're a kid, that's something else. I like, uh, oh, that's just a sad story then, no matter what, if it's a minor. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a sad, it's a, it's a sad development. And uh, it's sad that it, you know, it's sad that it happened like this. But But I'm still not even sure what happened. Yes. Yeah. So that's why, even when you say that, I'm like, well, what exactly happened? I don't even know. No. And I don't think, and we don't know what happened. And I, I think to, uh, to this day, I, I, I believe Tawana Brawley like sticks to her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. well, her, I don't question like, well, with kids is a special case in my opinion, but like, I'm thinking I, I, I switch back to Jesse small in my head, I guess, without saying anything that, that one is a, it's a sad development just because of the, the effect that it has on delegitimizing. If it's true, the effect it has on delegitimizing hate crime reporting. So yeah, although I guess I feel like people who are less inclined to believe hate crimes occur are still less inclined to believe hate crimes occur, whether or not this was this happened or not. So you've been listening to the Annex, a sociology podcast. A special thank you to Margaret Hagerman from Mississippi State. Margaret recently published White Kids, Growing Up with Privilege in a Racially Divided America with NYU Press. Also, a special thank you to Gene Beeman for uh, guest hosting. We're on the web, sociocast.org slash annex, on Twitter at Sociannex, and on Facebook, the Annex Sociology Podcast. Our producer is Lisseth Moreno, On behalf of Leslie Hinkson and Gene Beeman, I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.